Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Okay, very, very happy to be welcoming singer, songwriter, actress, and what I describe as a music NFT pioneer, Violetta Zeroni. Hey, Violetta, how's it going? Hey, I'm very good. How are you? Yes, good, thank you. How's Berlin? It's very ridiculously windy in the UK today. I hope it's not too... I think it's exactly the same over here. (laughs) Yeah, it's like stormy is crazy today. Stormy, windy, grey, cold. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I guess to introduce you, and I guess for this part, should we describe it as the life before NFTs, maybe just introducing in terms of how you got into music. Um, I mean, I know you from like the way you're presented on Twitter, but I've learned that you're on like the Italian X Factor and... You're in a Netflix Italian film, right? So quite a lot yes. quite a lot has happened for you, right, before getting into the whole blockchain thing. Yes, definitely. So I have been making music professionally for almost nine years now, because I started in 2013 um, when I entered the X Factor <clears throat> in Italy. And uh, before that, I was, of course, making music kind of on the side, but I was going to school, right? So... Uh, I wasn't like a professional musician, but I was still playing shows like, you know, town fair and small bars, small festivals. Uh, And then at 18, I entered the competition and I got in and it it went really well. I went all the way up to the final and I was third in the end. So uh, I signed a major label deal with uh, Sony Music Italy. And um, Mm -hmm. I was with them for about a couple of years. It was a really, really terrible deal. Uh, that I had no idea I had gotten myself into. But um, I guess I learned a lot from that experience. Um, And after that, we managed to part peacefully, me and the label, thankfully. So Mm. I became independent um, and started just playing shows all over Italy, up and down all the time and writing songs. Um, then I met, a Italian British singer songwriter, uh, which you might know his name is Jack Savaretti. I'm sure you're familiar with him. Oh, rings a bell. Mm. Yeah. He is really successful in the UK right now. Um, and I met him because we shared the same management. He, his Italian management was my management. And, um, I went on tour with him in Italy And he asked me then to go on tour with him, supporting a few gigs of his uh, in Europe, in the UK and Germany. And and I did that. Um, And eventually that kind of pushed me to move to the UK. So I moved to London and that's when I really started developing my songwriting skills and, you know, really being faced with the real... um, international music industry of course um so i feel like that's when it all really started and i published my first let's say single that i that was independent that independently that i fully curated and and published by myself uh half moon lane uh and then the half moon lane ep um which was my very first EP. Um, I I lived in London for about six months. And then I met um, a manager who was from Berlin, who lived in Berlin, that I started working with. And after six months, I decided to move to Berlin because various reasons. I mean, 
I'm sure you're aware London is extremely expensive, you know, and um, mm. as well for, for an Italian emerging singer songwriter, it can be really tough because obviously the UK has some incredible musicians uh, that are given the priority, you know, so, uh, you know, an, an Italian artist is not really something you see every day. That's why it was, it was a little hard for me. But in Germany, I really found a good environment for me because there were people from everywhere in the world and <clears throat> the German audience is very, very welcoming and uh, they don't really care where you're from. Uh, Germany doesn't have like such a strong music uh, background, musical background like the UK has. So they really try to import as much as they can from anywhere in the world. Uh, and so I really thrived here. <clears throat> And found a great creative team, great co-writers and producers to work with. <clears throat> and uh, I've been living here since then, so five years now. And um, yeah, I I published a couple of records after that, played many, many gigs uh, all over Europe, all over the U.S. as well, wrote songs uh, for other artists, for commercials, for movies, movies that I was in, movies for other people. Um, you know, just really did pretty much tapped into every um, aspect of the entertainment industry. Um, I was also uh, lucky enough to have the chance to, yeah, to act in a couple of movies. One of them is called Rose Island, which is a movie, a um, Netflix production, which at the time was, I believe, the biggest uh, European Netflix production ever made, um, which was really cool. It was, um, it, it was released in 190 countries on Netflix. And um, yeah, that came out in 2020. Uh, after that, I did another movie, uh, an Italian movie, where I also wrote a couple of songs for. And um, yeah, but then of course, you know, with the pandemic and all, it everything became really difficult. Uh, mm. Doing collaborations, traveling, networking, playing shows. And yeah, so it, it was really, really hard for the last two years. Uh, so I tried to diversify as much as I could, hence why, you know, the acting and stuff. And, um, but then I found NFTs. So yeah, <laughs> but that's what happened mm -hmm. before NFTs. Yeah. It's nice. You really fit the mold of the kind of troubadour singer songwriter with the guitar in their back going like moving from Italy to London and then to Germany, that kind of nomadic music existence is really cool. Um, the, I mean, yeah, you mentioned with London, like obviously there's a, there is obviously an Italian community there, but I guess my biggest frustration with London is like, it's just not artist friendly at all. Is it unless you have like really rich parents, like it's just quite right. brutal, isn't it? And so have you found Berlin's been much easier in that regard for you? Yeah, 100%. Berlin is a lot cheaper, like a lot cheaper. You can, it's cheaper than any other European capital really. Mm -hmm. uh, although now the prices are raising a little bit, it's still not, you cannot compare it even to Amsterdam when you think about it. Like, Mm. Amsterdam's a lot more expensive than Berlin. So it's a good place where you can live a good quality life without having tons of money and still having time to like, you don't, you don't live to work, you know, like, like you do mm. in London yeah. <laughs> here, you can really take your time to be creative and, and live, you know, uh, which, which has its, upsides and downsides because of course wages are a lot lower but at the same time you get more time to chill and and relax so people say berlin's a good place to create but it's not a good place to 
be successful. <laughs> mm, no, um, sure. So, but it, you know, for me, it doesn't really matter where I live because my, like my kind of uh, market is international. So Berlin's a good place for me to live in, you know, because I can create and I can, um, I don't have to worry too much. So. No, exactly. Um, I just wanted to ask, when would you say you found this kind of really classic singer, songwriter sound? It's so, you know, really elegant, subtle, um, just gorgeous to listen to, really. But I mean, am I right in saying back in the expats days, were you doing sort of the more like sort of ukulele, slightly poppier sound? Did you yeah. gradually find your way to what you're doing now? Well, as you can imagine, when you go to those talent shows, you don't mm. really have a say <laughs> on yeah. anything. So, yeah, so um, manufactured, I, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like you absolutely. can't just rock up and do your own thing, even though it's presented that you are doing. Exactly. So when I first did my audition, I was basically making the music that I was making now. And then the further I got into the competition, you know, they made it become a lot more pop, poppy. And because, you know, the audience was really big. The audience was a pop audience and it's a TV show. It's not a music competition. It's a TV show. So you have to cater Mm. to that kind of audience. Um, so yeah, the first couple of singles I released with Sony after X Factor were definitely really poppy, but that's why I left the label because I knew that I didn't want to do that genre. That wasn't me. It wasn't the genre I was playing before X Factor. And I I always thought, you know, the life of a musician is really hard. Um, so it's not worth it if you don't fully, fully love it. And that's just my opinion. Some people don't care. You know, some people just want to get to a stage uh, in, in their career and they don't care what music they're making for me, it, that's not the case. Like I'd rather take the long way around, very steep uphill, uh, route, but I, you know, at least I can make the music I love. Um, and, um, so yeah, after that, you know, it took me a while that it, the X factor experience was very kind of traumatizing because it gave me a taste of like, uh, what the big pop audience wants, or what I want, what should I do? So for years, I tried to find uh, like a key in between those two things. And it took me a really long time to really figure out what was like, find it again, that thing that was there from the beginning, but had been kind of contaminated by all Mm. these influences from, from outside. So including managers, including publishers, including everyone in the music industry thinks that they know it all. They, they can have a say on you. And then when you're really young, you know, you forget (laughs) who you are because you haven't had time to solidify who you are. So yeah, it did take me a while, but then in the last three years or so, I'm, I've been really focused on like, the songs that I've, that, that I've been writing. I actually, in the last four years or so, I would say I found this genre that, that is a mix, you know, between it's a little folky singer songwriter <clears throat> style, but it's got a lot of like Mediterranean Italian influences because that's, that's who I am. That's kind of the music I grew up listening to as well. So I, I tried to find uh, somewhere in between those two genres. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, like, people might, on paper, look at it and say, why does this lady need to bother with NFTs? Like, she's been the finalist on a, on the X Factor. She's been in Netflix films and been signed with a major label as well. But obviously, it sounds like digging a bit deeper, like, um, 
these things aren't as rosy as they might sound like you've just discovered the kind of dark side of major labels and um all this stuff is that is that accurate in your experience would you say oh 100 percent. like yeah i mean it's brutal <laughs> it's uh it doesn't that that was what was really frustrating that although I did do all those things that people dream of doing still uh, that didn't cover me for when the pandemic happened, you know, that still, I was basically so broke for those two years, you know, even though I had done all those things that I had done because I was independent because I used my own funds to reinvest in my career, you know, and when you cannot play live, when you can't network, the movie production slowed down as well. You know, it was just a mess. Um, and I try. I was at a point where I wanted to get signed to a label again in the last sort of um, year or year and a half. I really wanted to sign another label deal. And I was aiming for uh, record labels like Decca or, you know, um, Sony classics or jazz and, and that, that kind of department of, of the major labels. Um, and I made a record that I'm really, really proud of the one that is actually becoming moonshot. My, my NFT collection, mm. I recorded it with a Grammy winning producer who won two Grammys for Willie Nelson. He was nominated the other day for two Grammys. He didn't win, but I mean, um, with an incredible team of musicians and producers and multi-platinum songwriter and still no label would sign me like nobody, you know, because there was always something that was wrong with my music, something, or they, they had something, something, something was in the way. So for a year, I tried to get signed to a label. No label would sign me at all, you know? So I'm just like, okay, I have no choice right now. I either quit and do something else or I find something drastic that is going to change my career completely. And when I discovered NFTs, I was like, okay, that's it. I'm going to give it my everything. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this question just comes to me now. Like, can you imagine, say if you had been signed to like a major big label, like Deco that you mentioned, and then, but you also, you discovered NFTs and you want to do that. Do you think they'd even let you like, because you're kind of signing away a lot of your rights, aren't you, in terms of your music? Yeah. And I just wonder if they would even allow you to, or they'd be like, yeah, but we're taking 70% of the money. <laughs> you yeah, I think that's what would happen. I think that's what would happen. Um, yeah. So or Would they I just mean, be so threatened by the whole concept of NFTs? Would they just be like, no, you're not doing that? I think I think they would be open to the idea, but definitely they would take most of the money. Um, and... So I'm I'm grateful that I didn't sign with anybody, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess if I did sign, I wouldn't have looked for this opportunity. So probably I wouldn't even know about it, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But if I had eventually found out about NFTs, um, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But definitely a label wouldn't have been so accommodating, you know. I'm happy that I'm still independent, so I can make music NFTs and and have control over the project. Yeah, I mean, if people are listening and like, what is an NFT? What does all of this mean? Like, how do you, I mean, do you ever find yourself having to explain it to people that just don't know what the hell they are? The whole um, blockchain is, I find that really hard to tell people what blockchain even means. But um, 
Yeah, how do you put it into words? And what what is this? Yeah, how do you describe the big opportunity here for musicians as well? Well, what an NFT really is is a digital asset, a digital collectible that um, that has value because nowadays we live in a digital era. You know, if we didn't live in a digital era, then physical assets would be more valuable. But because now we do everything online, everything digitally and decentralized, a digit like an asset that is stored on a blockchain has more value, you know, because it has more opportunities to travel across the world. It has more opportunity to be known and be exposed to, you know, a bigger audience. So what an NFT really is, is just that it's, it's a token that represents a piece of art, whether, you know, in the case of like music or paintings or photography, in the case of PFP projects is more like a membership pass to a community, um, which also applies to music NFTs really, because NFTs allow you to have a really close relationship with your community. You know, you really become a team and work together so that this asset uh, you know, raises in value for everyone that owns it in the community. But for music and NFT, think of it as like there's 2,000 really rare, really unique, really precious vinyls that have been printed, and there's only 2,000 copies, you know. And uh, the 2,000 people that own it, wow, they're very lucky, you know, because there's only 2,000 in the world and they're all unique in their own way. None of them are different. So they, these people that all own these vinyls, they want to talk to each other. Maybe they want to trade, you know, they want to work together so that the artist grows in value and the vinyl that they have grows in value, you know, so that they can eventually own something that is really, really valuable and then maybe sell it whenever they're ready, you know, or just keep it, you know, just owning something really valuable. Uh, But you can also see it as just a regular piece of art. You know, you buy a really expensive painting, you know, and that's it. And you own it. And there's no community around it, but you own a really valuable painting. And that's all it is, you know? Yeah. Well, it's the thing. It sounds so beautiful when you talk about it, but um, it's probably worth getting this out of the way before we go further. Like, I'm sure you're aware NFTs get so much hate don't they like there's a really famous example recently where brie larson the actress from captain marvel so probably the biggest celebrity to wade into this bought one and then she just got so much hate on twitter obviously she changed her twitter picture to the one she bought and i think it was one of the flower girls ones and yeah just all the comments were this is going to kill the planet how could you do this and yeah so where do do you stand on all this stuff because personally when i've learned about this stuff it doesn't seem as anywhere near as sinister as people make it out to be but um did did they refer to like the environmental impact yeah and they all post they heard of that video called line goes up everyone was reposting that video in the comments it's like this two-hour video that really criticizes nfts and um i think people talk about people using it for stealing art and stuff like this but but i haven't really come across that it's just interesting because I feel like the environment thing's sort of fake news because there's so many ways of doing NFTs in a completely energy efficient eco way. Um, but yeah, there seem to be a few things bothering people, but no, it sounds yeah. like it hasn't been an issue for you so far. No, no, not at all. But it's because I've 
catered to a Web3 NFT-acquainted audience. Mm -hmm. I never expected my Web2 audience to follow me into this. It's too much for them to learn from scratch, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted to go to a new audience, find find a new channel because I didn't find the old channel uh, productive for me or useful or helpful at all. Um, So, I mean, I'm catering to a Web3 audience. Um, It is hard to explain NFTs to people. They do get a lot of hate, not just for the environmental, you know, topic, but also People think, you know, it's a Ponzi scheme, a pyramid scheme. It's it's a scam. It's just JPEGs. It's just MP4s. Sure, it, it's true. It is JPEGs and MP4s. But in a digital era, that's what matters, you know, because like you don't have easy access to physical goods, you know, and physical goods are being left in the past as well, you know, so I don't know. I think eventually people will get them, um, but it's going to take a really long time. Yeah, I think people are most upset about the environmental thing, but it's worth pointing out yeah. to people that it's like there's like Solana, there's Polygon, there's all these amazing ways you can do it. Yeah, of course, any... and there's other things in the world that are so environmentally full of damage, like you know <laughs> that they make so much damage. I mean. <laughs> you go to America and they keep their air conditioning on 24 seven when it's so like cold outside, they still have their air conditioning on, you know, and, and when, it, even when they're not at home. So tell me how that's not an, a bad impact on the environment, but yet they complain about NFTs, you know, like, yeah. it's just, no one's asking like, what's the total energy usage of Spotify? <laughs> yeah. Example, I, don't, right. I doubt it's particularly low. Right. Yeah. So, or cars, the people in America have five cars for a family of three, you yeah. know? <laughs> like. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it sounds like, yeah, because I touched on this earlier, like, it feels like your story is pre-NFTs and post-NFTs. And it sounds like you've actually consciously completely departed from everything before, which is really interesting, because if it wasn't for NFTs, you'd probably still be going, oh, hey, I was in a Netflix film and I was on The X Factor. But you don't even have to use those things on your cv anymore because clearly this community is going so well for you well i don't have to but it's good that i did do those things because it's it shows that my roadmap is a lifelong roadmap that i would have been doing this even without nfts you know it's not like i saw like a bag opportunity with nfts and i jumped in it's just I I've always been making music and now it's just a new channel of making for, for making my music. So um, it shows that I have experience and I kind of know what I'm doing in terms of music. So, um, so yeah, and I'm not planning to completely abandon web two. I still want to grow as an artist out there. I still hope that my songs will go on the radio um and that i can tour and and you know play for people live and have my music in commercials and movies but the good thing about it about doing nfts parallel is that i don't have to re- rely on the spotify streams to pay my rent <laughs> mm-hmm. you know so i can still do all those things and i believe they're going to go even better now that 
I can live, you know, without so much financial anxiety, you know, and I can invest into the web two marketing, web two radio PRs or whatever, without having to starve. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Well, yeah, because if you're trying to pay rent with Spotify, you need to be like Ed Sheeran or Taylor Swift, yeah. don't you? And this is the thing. So th- I think this is important. We mentioned the word web three a few times. So how do you explain that? Like in layman's terms, I guess web one was the internet in its basic form where you can like search for things on Google, etc. Um, web two was when the internet became a bit more interactive with like Facebook, YouTube, etc. Right. And then, yeah. How do we describe web three is it essentially now you can really leverage the internet to your own gain by, yeah. Like selling NFTs is a great example, of course. And um buying cryptocurrency and everything. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know what the exact definition of Web3 is, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe don't put this in the interview. Uh, but, <laughs> um, but I believe it is this like more decentralized system, you know, of the web and the fact that we can be connected and interact with each other um, live you know, uh, and really make business, you know, like have, like, I'll give you an example, like Audius, for example, you know about Audius? Yeah. Is that the streaming NFT platform? Yeah. Well, it's not actually an NFT platform. It's like Mm -hmm. the web three version of SoundCloud, Yeah, you know? So it's exactly like SoundCloud, but it's a web three application. Um, so you can connect your wallets, you can buy their token. They have the Audius token, uh, their, their currency or whatever, and you can stake them, you know? So you can kind of like, if you, if you upload your music and your music gets streamed many times, like if you are, I don't know, charting on, um, Audius, you actually win rewards with their token, you know, so it's like a decentralized version of the web where you can actually make business and it's not just so passive. Like Instagram, for example, you mm. know, Instagram is like, I'm scrolling, I'm watching and that's it. <laughs> you know, uh, Web3, I believe, is more interactive. No, exactly. Yeah. I mean, just touching on what you said, like, it's, it's like electricity, right? Mia, you, you don't know the exact science of how electricity works, but we still use it. And so I think people yeah. get put off by blockchain, et cetera, because they're like, this is, sounds really scary and technical. I'm never going to understand it, but you don't need to know like the ins and outs of it. Um, make sure you know the ethics of it. Cause it sounds like people are obviously very concerned about that, but um, which is very, that's a lot easier to learn that side of it. But um, yeah, I mean, can you talk us through your NFT story? Like when did you, so it sounds like you joined it during the kind of lockdown era we've just gone through out of necessity and or has it been yeah how long have you been in the space and um yeah can you just talk us through how it's gone what was your first release and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah so i joined nfts well uh yeah this nft space um three months ago uh it was i think like the very beginning of january 2022 and um, I just kind of started exploring a little bit, talking to people, going on Twitter spaces, listening, doing a lot, a lot, a lot of research on my own. Um, and um, then I met 
Nifty Sachs, who is one of the OG music NFT artists. He started in March last year, March 2021, with his first collection and was really successful. He's actually the first artist to ever make uh, like a music NFT collectible thing, like generative, like a PFP project, but with music. Um, and he's Italian like me. So I heard him on a podcast talking about this project of his and I got in touch with him on, um, Twitter, uh, introducing myself and saying that I was looking to get into music NFTs and if he had any advice for me. So we hopped on a call and he actually told me that he just started a company, some kind of like agency to help out musicians and bring them from zero to sold out with their music NFT collections. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we started working together and um, started, you know, strategizing together. The team is him as a project manager and uh, a British developer. And um, so I released the first collection, Handmade Songs, which is only 16 pieces, um, one song and five editions, another song in 10 editions, and then a one of one. Uh, and it was just like the most simple uh recordings of some songs of mine because what nifty sax told me i actually asked him i said hey uh, what kind of music should i do as an nft because i was so used to people telling me you know for that you need to have that kind of song for spotify you need to have that kind of song for radio you have to have that kind of song for live you have to have that kind of song so i was like what kind of song do i need for nfts and he said whatever makes you feel good Whatever it is that you do when you're at home, relaxing, enjoying yourself, playing music, do that. And that was yeah. the first time someone ever told me anything like that, <laughs> mm. you know? So I thought about it. I said, well, I'm, I enjoy writing my songs on the guitar. I play my songs live on the guitar all the time, just me and the acoustic guitar. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. I went to the studio. I did one take for each song. and um, no edit, <clears throat> you know, no nothing, just a little EQing and, and that's it. So that was, that was my first release. And the one of one was a live video, a live music video, uh, acoustic video of me playing one of my songs in my, in my home. So very, mm. very intimate. The whole point was, you know, I want, because it's such a small collection, I, I want the, the holder to feel like I'm singing it for them. Uh, and the collection went really well. It sold out pretty much at pre-sale. The edition sold out at pre-sale. And the one of one, we did a Dutch auction, which is basically you set a beginning price and an end price and it declines, you know, from the higher price to the lower price over 24 hours. And whenever you're ready to buy, you click buy and you buy. There's no real bidding. Um, and the one of one sold for 3.75 ETH, which at the time was uh, 10 thousand euros <laughs> mm -hmm. you know um which was amazing so um so yeah that was really successful and that and that one of one then sold again on secondary market after three weeks for five ethereum which is seventeen thousand dollars yeah it's a lot better than the 0.0085p you get per stream yep on a yeah. certain major <laughs> streaming platform. Exactly. So, uh, and not only did I make enough money to survive and reinvest, <clears throat> 
but also the person that sold my NFT for five Ethereum, you know, they made a big profit, you know, in only three weeks. So that's the value of the NFT, you know, that there you go. It's right there. That person made four grand, (laughs) you know, by Mm -hmm. selling one of my NFTs. So, I mean, yeah, (laughs) if that doesn't sell it to people that don't believe in NFTs, I don't know what will, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the crazy thing. Suddenly your fans have an incentive for you to do well because then they do well. Yeah. Well, that's like the mind blowing thing. Yeah. I mean, because you remind me of like, I guess, would you agree the most famous NFT project is the Bored Ape Yacht Club, right? And I think maybe some people, I mean, this was a problem for me. I would see that. And a lot of people be like, well, this isn't art. NFTs are meant to be art. And it's just thousands of the same picture with like a different hat or different (laughs) cigar or something. So I was really grateful to find people like you. Um, That was thanks to, have you come across Dom NFT on Twitter or anything? What's that? Have you come across a girl called Dom? Dom NFT is her name on Twitter. She no, basically she's a friend. I used to work for her actually, and she, I saw basically I saw she was actually making money from NFTs. So I started talking to her about it, and then she's like, I don't know much about music NFTs, but I keep seeing this lady called Violetta in Twitter Spaces and stuff. So that was how oh. I came across, and that that was really important for me because I would just see stuff like the Bored Apes and think, mm, is this something I want to be? involved in there's this high quality art so i was really glad to find you know you doing actual something that felt much more real and tangible to me releasing mm-hmm. your songs and you know not like a thousand versions like a nice small collection right which is that appeals to me way more um but i think the problem is because the board apes take all the headlines and people are like how is the selling for a million dollars this yeah. cartoon monkey <laughs> What I'm doing with my next collection, I don't know if you want to get onto that already. Yeah, yeah, of course, Moonshot. It, it, yeah, for, for Moonshot, it, it's more like a board ape style thing, more like a PFB project mm-hmm. because it's two thousand five hundred uh, pieces uh, mm-hmm. in this NFT uh, project, um, and basically there are five songs. Uh, spread throughout the collection evenly. So each NFT is going to have one of the five songs embedded to it uh, together with a piece of art, like an uh, an artwork uh, hand-drawn by my dad, who's a Disney comic artist. Mm -hmm. And uh, he did five base artworks for each song. So, sorry, one for each song. So five in total. And then he drew like a lot of different details you know he made some variations in the color or like you know some small things and then we generated 2500 unique ones so a little bit like board ape you know board ape style mm-hmm. a little bit like that um so that each one of the nfts is unique so if you mint a couple you might get the same song a couple of times but never the same artwork so that we could cater as well to the audience of the PFP generative projects, because that's the major audience. That's the majority of the people in NFTs. They go after generative projects. You know, they don't go after expensive one-on-ones, you mm. know, um, and that's how you want to build and ex- expand your community as well. So those NFTs from Moonshot are going to be a lot cheaper, 0.05 Ethereum, which is like 150 bucks. 
uh, and you get a unique artwork and a song. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think you can do like both things, but I believe that uh, expanding your community is a lot better uh, than doing small collections. You can do like both, you know? So what I plan to do is I did the small collection, then now I'm going to do a big collection and then I'm going to go back to do a smaller collection, you know, and then continue like that. So is it, did you mention there's a few songs in this release that are being covered yeah. by this collection? Oh, cool. How many songs? Are we talking like an album or just a, like a selection? Five. An EP. Oh, wow. And then like, do you still release these? Since NFTs, do you still release this music on the traditional platforms or are you just literally done with that at this point? Or um, So I haven't, I haven't so far. I haven't released uh, the songs from Handmade Songs from my fir- first collection in, in, on Spotify and stuff, but I will. I will definitely mm-hmm. release them and I will release um, Moonshot, uh, the EP, in Web 2 because I do want to grow as an artist in Web 2 as well because I believe that's going to bring value to uh, the NFT holders, you know? Yeah, of course. So when does Moonshot come out? Uh, after after it's sold out, hopefully around June time. That's what I mean. Oh, for. cool. So it's quite a lengthy process, right, of... You have the whitelist and doing all the Twitch spaces. And um, yeah, maybe yeah. we should talk about Twitch spaces, right? That's been a really key. Hasn't you do them nearly every day, don't you? Yeah, every weekday. Yeah. Yeah. And could you just talk us through that? That's been a huge part of like building your community. You do it with um, Josh Savage, another really cool artist, don't you? And I mean, that's, yeah, that's how I came across you. And that's why, you, at least from where I'm standing, you seem like one of the absolute leading voices in music. NFTs because of your Twitter spaces, which so many people come to them, don't they? And no, it's just great. It's a great little community, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. I think it's a good way of showing that you are committed. You know, you want to be present for your community. You want to build. You want to bring value. You want to contribute and uh, taking responsibility like that. Uh, really showing up every single day shows that you do you prioritize it over everything else. You know, so. Um, yeah, I mean, the community is the key aspect to this whole NFT thing. So uh, hosting your own spaces and gathering people uh, in your room, that's absolutely uh, essential. It feels like the most wholesome thing about this whole community is it kind of destroys traditional marketing, like paid promotions on social media and stuff. It just seems so lovely and friendly, right? Just making friends on Twitter if you had to really crystallize it, just reaching out to as many people as possible, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's the cool thing. Like uh, paid marketing and stuff. I don't know if it works as well because what really strikes is the person, you know, people want to mm-hmm. invest in the person. So you have to show up. Even if you pay someone to do the marketing for you, you're still going to have to be there, you know, because people want to invest in the founders as well. Mm. It sounds like performing live is a big thing. Do you have any predictions for how this is going to like shape the music, the or the touring live industry in the future? Surely these things are going to cross paths at some point. And yeah, do you have any? Do you see how that might go? Perhaps. Um, I think, I think you know the metaverse gig thing is going to be big, uh, which is going to save us musicians from having to travel 
like all the time to play small shows and mm. pick up one fan at a time. You can do that with the metaverse gigs and then eventually, you know, focus your tours around your holders and your collectors, but less often. Uh, you know, you're not going to have to do the marketing through touring anymore. You know what I mean? You can do that yeah. with the metaverse shows and then plan your tours around like your true fans. Mm-hmm. I can imagine like doing, I mean, can you sell tickets as NFTs? Can you imagine that sort of thing with, I don't know, perks like meet and greets and that, that kind of stuff? Um, I don't know if you can, I mean... I suppose you could sell tickets as NFTs. Uh, but I mean, with my NFTs, with Moonshot NFTs, if you hold each song, you get free access to all of my live concerts anywhere in the world forever and mm-hmm. VIP and stuff. So that's kind of part of the utility if you buy one of my NFTs. Incredible. Um, Vilas, do you have like a bit of a home studio we could talk about? I'd love to hear about how the actual process of making your music, recording it, producing it? Mm, I don't have a home studio. I have a very small setup for making demos, but if I need to record, I go to a studio. But the recordings Mm. of Moonshot, I did um, in Nashville at an incredible studio, Sound Emporium, you know, where, yeah, where all these incredible legends record with top-notch musicians and incredible, you know, engineers and, and producer. And it's, it was just, um, incredible, you know? Uh, so yeah, I, I like going to the studio. I'm not a huge fan of like doing all everything by myself. Cause then I get all like, <laughs> you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I tend to, um, I'm too relaxed. Like I, I love going to the studio and perform you know, like deliver a performance instead of being in my pajamas at home and like, you know, you know what I mean? So yeah, how's like the rest of the year looking for you? Is it 100% zoning in on Moonshot or is there other stuff coming up towards the end of the year at all? Um, Yeah, well, the plan is to release Moonshot and then release these songs in Web2 and then continuously make NFT drops. Like I'm never going to dip out completely. Um, I might not do a massive collection like Moonshot for, for a few months, uh, but I will 100% do smaller collections, uh, airdrops, free NFTs for my, for my holders. And then hopefully uh, towards the end of the year, uh, yeah, do a bigger collection again, like Moonshot. Incredible. Yeah. Have you got a song in mind? It sounds like you had these songs like Destined for Web 2. You'd already made them a few years ago, right? Pre-COVID and then suddenly that's all completely changed, right? Exactly. Well, I have so many songs. I have maybe 200 songs in my back catalog that have always been turned down by someone because they were not enough something or or they were too something, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, But they are legit songs that I wrote, that I love and that I think deserve some attention. So... I'm definitely going to, you know, look through my back catalog, but also I have so many ideas. I haven't been able to write much in the last three months because I've been so focused on promoting the project uh, that I'll definitely go back to the writing room and uh, write more. So we'll see. Amazing. All right. Final question. While the red carpet's still out, if someone said what would be like the best song or project 
to listen to if I wanted like the best introduction to you and what you do? Is there like a song you'd have in mind straight away that you'd point them towards? Or? I would say that you should go to my open sea and listen to my handmade songs collection because that's the most authentic mm. version of me. So, so you can literally just go on open sea and listen to the songs. You don't have to yeah, have exactly. Ethereum or a wallet or anything. You can just go and play it. No, yeah. no, no, no. Just open sea, type in handmade songs and you'll see the collection pop up and you click play. That's it. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thanks, Vilas. Thanks for the interview. Also, thanks for it's like a crash course in NFTs as well. So <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> of course. My pleasure. No worries. Cool. Thank you. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.